Welcome back to the Powerful Nonsense Podcast. Uh, we've been away for a little while. About, about a that. week and a half. It's all Gem's fault. Yep, I've been pretty busy. Yep. Doing professional things. How dare he? Um, but yes, today we are talking about creativity and artists and all that jazz. So it's time for introductions. I'm Wayne Ingram. Actor. Extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> and sat to my right is my good friend and yours, the Turkish legend. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Jamie Odis, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> and he cut me off. <laughs> uh, so yes, as I say, today we are talking about creativity and artists. Um, and whether or not artists are typically viewed as professionals and why or why not. Uh, <laughs> and also whether we should create for ourselves, create for others, and whether or not we should be selling our art or not, essentially. Ooh, interesting topics. Uh, it is indeed, it is indeed. Well, you know, we, we put our shows together looking for them to be interesting. Uh, but we'll start, as always, with a little quote. Uh, Jem, take it away. So the uh, first quote is by Eric Fromm, the social psychologist, and he says, Creativity requires the courage to let go of certainties. Boom. Ooh. That's the podcast over. We'll see. You <laughs> 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 summed up for us. Yeah, there we go. that's it. <laughs> okay. Um, so as I say, we're going to be talking about creativity, but um, obviously the uh, forerunners of creativity are, in inverted commas, artists. Uh, so when we talk about artists in this podcast, Gem, specifically, what are we saying? What are we referring to? <clears throat> Well, to be honest, like as I said, before we actually started the podcast, I went onto Google and actually uh, Googled what, what an artist actually is, like the definition. Because <laughs> he didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make it clear, you know, ask Google. But initially, obviously, it came up saying it's somebody who does painting, it's somebody who, I know, sculpture, the kind of generic what everybody assumes is an artist. Mm -hmm. But then underneath, you had sort of like the informal definition, which was a person who habitually practices a specified re reprehensible activity. And I thought, actually, that sounds a lot a lot more like what an artist actually is. Like, mm -hmm. an artist doesn't have to be somebody who picks up a paintbrush. Mm -hmm. It's actually somebody who does something over and over that actually challenges what they first maybe thought or mm -hmm. challenges their own actual skills. And that, and they actually said re reprehensible, which basically means it could be criticised, mm -hmm. which I thought was a really good point. It's, you're creating something new that people are always going to criticise because you're sort of yeah. creating a new way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And I think also a key word in that definition is habitually as well. So it's part of um, their being, part of their lifestyle um, to create whatever it is or practice whatever it is that uh, this reprehensible activity is, whether it be performing on a stage, writing music, painting, or uh, writing blogs, or recording podcasts, or YouTube videos, anything like that um, as well. Obviously, they go. They talk a lot about how um, artists become masters of their craft, and obviously, mastery mm -hmm. takes that sort of habitual, sort of constantly, every day grinding at your craft, keep improving every mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, so, the first point we we really wanted to touch on was uh, whether or not we're trained uh, for vision or trained out of vision, and um, the fact that artists aren't typically viewed as professionals. Um, so, I guess the the best part point to start is why aren't artists typically viewed as professionals and, and, and where has that come about? 
I think really with when you talk about artists, like we were saying there, is um, if you're if you're with an artist, you're kind of challenging what's already there. Mm-hmm. And so I guess when it comes to schooling, they're, they're teaching you to kind of do things in a way that somebody kind of want, expects you to yeah. do something. And so do there's a textbook. A, exactly. It has to, they kind of want you, so I want you to screw this lid onto this bottle mm-hmm. and it has to be done repeatedly. There's no sort of swaying for, okay, be an artist and maybe come up with a new way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, that's how I, I think anyway, that schooling has sort of, that's why they kind of veer away from art because art doesn't say, well, you do it, do it, do as you're told. It's saying, see what's here. Yeah, do it your way. And then do it your way. And that, that you can't control someone who, who's doing it their way. That's, oh, <laughs> I was, that was a bit deep. I was quite expecting that quite so, quite so early on in the conversation. But yeah, I think you're right. The, it's the fact that um, in schools, um, it's that this is the way it should be done. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it this way, we're going to fail you. Exactly. Um, even to the point of writing essays. You yeah. have to write an essay in a particular way, in, in a particular structure. Yeah. If you don't, you haven't written a good essay and therefore you're going to get low marks. Which is why I always sucked at essays. Because I, I just didn't like the way they were, they were structured to written. But even, really even when you can take that further, even when you, go to, you do creative writing or you do English at school and then they even tell you how you should write your own story that you actually I'm making up this story and they yeah. tell you what well, it has to be it has to include this and this or mm-hmm. otherwise we can't grade it as a pass so mm-hmm. but it, it, it all goes back obviously we talk a lot about the industrial um, economy and how that's really what schooling was made for and yeah. so if why would you create students who can kind of think in different ways or are going to constantly question you when really mm-hmm. I just need you to do this task repetitively yeah. and just do it right just screw the lid on the bottle and shut up. <laughs> exactly. So there was there was no... You didn't need the artist. Like, what no. the artist wasn't needing that equation. But then, obviously, things have changed a lot and the whole... Mm-hmm. Everything's tipping now and suddenly the the, the person who you were training um, to be this sort of repetitive person is now maybe, like we talked about in previous um, podcasts, is becoming the computer or the machine. Yeah. And suddenly, actually, we need we need the artist now. We need the we artist need the to... free free-thinking to... people, don't exactly. we? Exactly. Yeah. And so that's where there's that sort of chasm in a way mm-hmm. yeah and, and why do you think then that um artists aren't strictly viewed because obviously we've talked about how uh, artists don't fit into what was the status quo um but why aren't why aren't artists viewed as professionals as opposed to because quite often people say well when are you going to get a real job mm-hmm. if you're an artist if you say i am an artist um you know like when when people come up to me when I'm at my day job. Yeah. And they're like, so you're here all the time? I'm like, no, I'm an actor. But here I am, stood behind a bar. Yeah. Whilst I <laughs> pay, pay my bills. Um, you know, why, why is there that sort of view that, that it's a hobby as opposed to a job? I think, I think it goes back to the school. It's not, it's not what you're told. Like, you're not told that, like, I studied art, I did it, yeah, you do it at school, I went and did like art at A level, I did a creative course at university. But each time you feel like you're cheating yourself, like you know that at the end of it it's not realistic to say, oh actually I'm gonna now make films for a living. I think because I think in a way, I think we're gonna talk about this point a lot later, but I think the economy is not set up in a way mm-hmm. for like I think you was talking a bit about like the commodity and mm-hmm. I think it's yeah, it's quite difficult in that sense. I think Yeah, I don't really you, you give me a point and I'll, I'll come back at it. <laughs> okay, well... Uh, what, I what are you mean, thinking anyway? M- my opinion kind of goes back to Sir Ken Robinson, who I seem to talk about 
every episode since you've introduced me to him. But he he looks at the the school subject, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that the schooling system was built on the industrial revolution. So at the top of the hierarchy is maths, English, science. Those are the three things that you're going to need above everything else. Apparently, um, you got to you've got to add up. You've got to be able to add up, multiply, subtract. It's got to be able to communicate with people, and you've got to understand the way the world works in terms of science. Uh, then underneath that, you have the humanities, like religious studies, geography, history, that sort of thing. It just gives you an extra kind of almost depth to the world around you, kind of understand it a little bit better, but it's not crucial that you know that knowledge. And then underneath that, you have <clears throat> the creative arts. Music usually gets the highest priority, for some reason, I don't know why. And then uh, drama and dance is usually the one that's right at the bottom. Um, and it's because in the Industrial Revolution and the in, in that period of our history, you were never going to earn significant amounts of money with those dancing around exactly (laughs) well exactly well you go gallivant on stage and and we'll do the real work over here um and i think it does go back to that we don't want free thinking people uh we just want people to stand on the factory lines and just do that one thing that we've asked them to do over and over and over and over again maths once i got into senior school was of no use to me whatsoever I cannot remember half the stuff I learned in in maths in in high school, senior school, whatever you want to call it, um, because it serves no purpose for me. All I need to be able to do as an actor, really, is add, subtract, multiply, and divide. I don't need to know trigonometry. I don't need to know Pythagoras' theory. It's not useful to me at all. But in the hierarchy of the industrial world, it is. But my view was, well, I'm an actor. Why am I going to need this? Mm -hmm. Um, But I was told, well... This is important. You need this for the world that, you, that you're going into. And, you know, you need to be able to do this. Um, so I think it's 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 that kind of view of... It's it's almost, almost snobbery, if that makes sense, of the creative arts. It's that, well, you're not going to become anything yeah. um, doing that. You can only become something. And it's, it's that... It's that overall worldview of what success is because what are the honourable professions to have they're doctors well paid, lawyers well paid, accountants well paid those are probably your three top jobs that mm-hmm. you could ever ask for um, which are mostly mass based really, even law is incredibly mass based in that sense um, <clears throat> and I think, I, think that's, I think that's the issue I think we we're so concerned with money as well as as our measure of value, as we've said before. We're so obsessed with that idea that I mean, I remember someone that I know who's very dear to me and love them to bits. They've done so much for me. And before I went to train as an actor, they said, "So, how long are you going to give it before you give up? Yeah. If you've not made it, how long are you going to how long are you going to give yourself?" And I said, "Well, I'm not." I'm not going to give up because it's all it's all that's inside me. It's all I want to do with my life. Um, he is a property lawyer. I think I think you made like a really strong point, and that really triggers hits over my head. And I read something earlier, and you talk about yeah, is is the money 
but really a lot the more i've been reading i've been reading a lot of like buddhist stuff a lot of zen stuff mm-hmm. and they actually talk about actually your life really is the value of your experiences and yeah. it's like it's i think I wrote, I wrote a blog recently about the importance of why you need to feel more like mm-hmm. you need to feel it like your, your life is very short in the bigger scheme of things and so the only real value that you're getting is coming from you feeling more and although money brings you all these sort of material possessions Mm -hmm. to have art art is the thing that allows people to feel a lot more and i think that's where people have that's why artists aren't getting paid because the people who understand why they're seeing the art why they go to see the theater play why they go to the cinema why they i don't know whatever why they look at that painting and it Mm brings it's bringing a new feeling it's bringing a new perspective and i think really that's where art has so much value because Absolutely. people you can't pay for that like you can't i mean in terms of money you cannot mm-hmm. pay for an experience you have to experience it before yeah. you get from it and i think yeah. that's what's that's what's fallen away a lot in society and that's why there are no these artists aren't getting paid what they deserve mm-hmm. because really that's that's the most important like how much are you feeling how much does this like i'll happily go pay 15 pound 20 pound to watch a theater play because i'm going to come away away feeling like i have a new perspective on myself or of, yeah. of the ideal that the ideology of what the director was trying to get across to me mm-hmm. rather than just trading money which is not it's not anything yeah. really it's as you say it's like we say it's a sort of a token it's sort of a byproduct like and that, that's what i think really needs to be emphasized a lot more mm-hmm. yeah i think i think you i think you're right um <clears throat> so obviously we've already discussed as you say artists aren't being paid what they should be paid if at all there's a lot of artists that work for absolutely nothing so if you aren't being paid all that much if anything how then do you establish yourself as a professional? Like me, for example, I haven't really done much in terms of actual paid acting work yet. Um, I have been paid for some of the acting work that I've done, but it's not—it's certainly not been the level that I should be getting paid. Um, so in that instance, how do you then distinguish yourself? How can you say, I am a professional as opposed to just an amateur that does it for fun as a hobby? I think... Um I listened to a, a, a talk a long time ago. It was a script writer, and he was saying how um, writers need to stray away, say that we get paid and we don't mm-hmm. write for free. And I think it's the same with actors. As if if we keep doing, if artists keep giving away what they do for free, and I mean we're talking very much about acting. We're talking about like actual paintings and stuff. That obviously this applies to other stuff. If you're giving it for free and you believe well, let's it's say for free, blog posts, for example, even blog posts. And again, if you're, I mean. It comes down to like why you're doing it in the first place anyway, because always I think you got you're only going to do these creative things if it comes through your own personal passion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you need to be aware of the value that that brings to somebody else. And yeah. when you say, well, actually, this blog post is going to bring this much value to that person's life, then it's okay to add the affiliate links or to say maybe you want to donate or to sell something because mm-hmm. you're bringing value. But I think. You, yeah, I think I think there's too much of that illusion. I think you shared something on Facebook recently mm-hmm. that was sort of like how I think maybe if you can explain it a little bit better. Yeah, so it was it was these four pictures, and it was um, if other professions were paid like artists, and there were four different pictures. I think there was a doctor, an accountant. Um, I think there was a psychologist. A psych- oh yeah, that's a it. A doctor, yeah. a psychologist. Um, what looked like a scientist and a CEO. Um, and it was different quotes. The one that really jumped out at me was the CEO one, which said, uh, you know, I, I have two other day jobs to keep up my CEO uh, habit. Uh, it's, a, it's a labor of love, you know. And I just thought that was really, really poignant because there are no other industries, really, 
that are paid like artists are. There are no other industries where you have to have several other jobs in order to keep doing what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, other than self-employed. But then, if you're selling a commodity as opposed to art, um, then, you know, you're actually going to be getting paid more. But it's that idea that, as an artist, you actually often have to give something away for free to get ahead. And so, to start off with, until you make it, in inverted commas, um, you have to keep up this, these other stuff. And there was another one which I said... Uh, you know, I do what I do for free. I don't get paid for what I do, but every now and then someone will click donate on my website. Mm-hmm. And there were th- other other quotes as, as well. Um, but yeah, and I think I think that's that's the real divide that we have is the fact that because at the end of the day, artists are going to keep creating art, and that is why, particularly in the acting industry, that is what I I'm in a position where I would rather act and just kind of use that acting muscle for a week and not get paid for it than not act if it means that if that's the only project I'm going to do that year because I can't get another project because there's no work out there or no work suited for me out there or whatever I would rather do that one film that one short film for free expenses paid maybe but so I don't actually lose anything but essentially for free than not do it at all because I am an actor, that is that is me, that is my identity. I'm not a receptionist at a hotel, I'm not a waiter, I'm not a uh, barman, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not anything but an actor to me. But how would you say that sort of mentality could apply to someone who's saying, okay, well, you're an artist, you are a creative in people's mm-hmm. eyes. Like We're saying, well, actually, the artists are people who are sort of thinking differently, so how would... How would how would you explain someone who maybe is an accountant but is an artist accountant? What is the difference there? Can you be an artist accountant? Can yeah, you be think, an artist lawyer? I think you can. Um, and I think even in the same vein, you're still going to uh, encounter the same issues that you would have done otherwise. Um, because if you're an artistic accountant, let's, use that, let's throw that phrase out there, you're an artistic accountant. It's difficult with maths, admittedly, because maths is based off logic. One plus one is two. Nobody is going to argue with that. <laughs> that is a fact. Yeah. Um, I don't think there is any theory you could have that would suggest otherwise. <laughs> one plus one is two. Fact. Uh, but if you were an artistic accountant, let's use that phrase, you're going to maybe try and find different ways of doing things, maybe different ways of organising things. Um, again, accountants are quite hard because, as I say, it's based on maths. But let's say, okay, let's say you're a CEO of uh, a drinks company. Let's use that one. So you're selling a commodity, okay? But you can still be an artist. You can still create a new drink that is something that's never been done before. Um, like... I can't think of an example, but, you know, anything, mixing new ingredients together, there's still that artistic level. The issue you're going to face is the fact that that artistic streak that you may have had uh, with trying that experiment, it may not sell. It may not sell. You've got to actually, it then turns into a competition of making sure people buy what you have created. It's that same concept. If you make, if you paint a painting, if you put on a show, if you put together a music album, the the difficulty then becomes getting people to buy it. 
So do you think maybe this, the fact that actually artists have just been really bad marketers for so long are really bad at building up the the tribes of people who actually want want or are interested in maybe the thing that they're building? I think that's one thing I really like. I like that mm-hmm. how the internet has made it easier for artists to get their work out there. And Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it's because they're necessarily bad marketers in a sense. Um, it's tough because... The issue, I think that what the real issue has become in recent times is the internet. I think that's what's really become the issue recently. So you think it's the issue? Um, I don't think it's it's the issue in its entirety. Um, I like if I, I'll use the acting industry because that's the one I'm most familiar with. But if I look at that, um, so we had a system where we could we essentially became apprentices, and then once we finished that we were considered a professional actor, equity, our trade union would accept us in, and that's it, you're an actor. That was back in the day, when there were a lot less actors around. Um, Now, because of the celebrity culture that we have, a lot of people want to become, quote-unquote, famous. Um, And so people are drawn into that. People also think, because of the way they've been educated, that it's actually an easy subject. Um, And so because they are encouraged to go to university, um, because if you don't go to university, how on earth can you be a success? They go, well, I don't really want to go. Uh, I'll pick that subject because it looks quite easy. So then I've got my degree. And I know that for fact, because there were a few people that I trained with that admitted that much to me. Um, And so universities are seeing that as an opportunity to make money because universities are businesses first and foremost that's what people forget a lot of the time (laughs) Uh and there are some drama schools out there that are churning out 60 actors a year 60 that's so for an hour class that's one minute per student of teaching if you break it down that way that's ridiculous you cannot you cannot teach someone to that level for a craft that, that, that's that detailed and then you have to consider the fact that the industry itself is so small but and there isn't the work out there my, my argument be then is that you're still basing that artist and I think this applies to a lot of things I think if anything the internet okay there's a lot more people out there but I think the gatekeepers are being taken down and so you say well the industry's small but isn't the internet opening up the opportunity so that actually actors can say well actually I don't need to be picked by the agency I don't need to be picked by the film I can get together with a group of friends and then find a director who's online and we can collaborate and we can build up our own personal audience is there not more opportunities that's how I see it yeah I mean I am as I say, I'm more familiar with the acting industry than I am with any others. Uh, with the music industry, for example, with the power of the internet, it is creating more opportunities because, as you say, the gatekeepers don't need to be there. You can make music and you can publish it online and people will buy it or they won't. Or they'll watch it and they won't. And many people have been picked up. I think uh, the band Panic at the Disco, I think they were discovered through MySpace, ultimately. And they became a massive hit. Um, and opportunities like that are a good thing. Um, I think the acting industry is a little bit different. Um, I don't want to focus on it too much, but it's a little bit different in that the gatekeepers are still very important. The Anybody can claim to be an actor. And I, I know someone that is trying to break into the acting circuit without having trained. And they seem to be doing all right. But they're not doing as well as somebody that's trained because they don't have the mark saying, I am trained. 
Um, so that's a gatekeeper in itself. The drama schools that go, we're going to train you. That's one gatekeeper. Then, once you have been trained, or even if you just go, right, I'm going to be an actor now, there are certain casting networks you can sign up to which allow you to kind of, you know, put your name out there. Um, but the real opportunities that are going to launch your career and actually get you to a point where you can make a living off of it is still held by the gatekeepers, the casting agents and the casting directors. Those are the gatekeepers. The likes of music, books, and is slightly different, but the gatekeepers still have a lot of power in those situations. Um, I think that applies probably. I mean, I do believe that the internet is breaking down the gatekeepers, but uh, that's where I think artists kind of need to remember there there are gatekeepers. And yeah. you know that the gatekeepers are usually the ones, like you say, who hold the money, the opportunities to earn money that is realistic, that you can earn enough to live off. Yeah. So, I mean, artists need to kind of be willing to, I mean, initially work with the gatekeepers until you maybe use the online platform to build up a, pl- a tribe online or mm-hmm. build up an audience mm-hmm. where that suddenly you can move over and say, well, actually, I'm just supplying to my audience who yeah. are interested in me. Yeah. And so maybe that's what the point is there is that actually while you're trying to break in and you're starting off, you need to accept that there's gatekeepers and they're the ones that are holding the bigger bits of money. But on the side, you can still be building this online audience, this <laughs> yeah. tribe, and who knows, it might... Yeah, I guess it also depends on whether or not your creativity and what you're doing lends to more solo work or group work. I think why it's hard for actors is because, actually, actors themselves, the only thing they can do by themselves is create a one-man show and then sell it. And it is collaboration at the end of the day. And, and it, is, <laughs> it is collaboration, yeah. But where, whereas with a singer-songwriter, for example, they could go it alone. It's going to be hard for them, but they could go it alone. They could write music, produce it, sell it. It's going to be hard, again. But with an actor, you still need a director, you still need a producer, you still need other cast members, unless you're doing a one-man show. And the only thing you can do as an actor is a one-man show. Um, so I think it's slightly harder for actors in that respect. And if I am wrong, I apologise, because <laughs> I, I, obviously I know my own industry more than I know any others. Uh, but that's that's kind of how I feel about it anyway. Um, so just to kind of bring it back on point, because we've completely drifted <laughs> off what we said we were going to talk about, uh, which is good, it's all, it's all good. Um, so we've been talking a little bit about the economy. So do you think the economy itself is set up for artists? Well, I thought you were going to go to a different point, but that's okay. I, th- I thought you were, but I <laughs> thought it kind of lended itself. Uh, um, I, well, I, I think, like we said there, there are gatekeepers, and that's the problem. But there's there's a change happening. Online is opening up these sort of new avenues, and I think, I think, I mean, I watched that um, documentary called Generation Like recently, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of young people who are sort of creating their own ways of making money online mm-hmm. by using these new mediums such as YouTube, using Instagram, and I do think like I do I do think it it's becoming more available for artists. I uh-huh. think there is more ways now that an uh-huh. artist can make money yeah. because you are opened up to this massive world of people who mm-hmm. you're likely to find a hundred like they say a thousand people is, yeah. is a great audience to have like just to get that first thousand people who mm-hmm. love what you do. So I do think it's it's moving there, but mm-hmm. I think in the sort of transition period people need to accept that they still need to kind of please those initial gatekeepers just to yeah. get by until they've built up enough of an audience to actually live off, to earn yeah. enough to live off. Yeah, I think you're right. I think what we have now is a precursor to what we will have yeah. in maybe 10 years' time. I think in 10 years' time, we could see a very thriving creative ecosystem online where you can sell your photographs, you can you know, uh, sell 
online shows that in fact there have been i think there have been bands or singer songwriters that have done concerts online yeah um they've sold tickets you don't have you're not actually there but they are performing to a webcam essentially yeah. and they're interacting with the people that are there with, between songs and stuff um but yeah we're in this sort of transition period we haven't quite got where we need to be um so yeah i think we we need to be aware and keep our fingers on the pulse and see where things things are going um i'm jumping around a little bit about what we were saying because we have covered a lot of stuff in a in a little bit of waffle um <laughs> it was a good waffle though <laughs> um so i want to quickly touch on before we wrap it up something that we said we were going to touch on is whether or not we should be creating for ourselves or whether we should be creating for others um so so where where should the starting point be and that sort of thing i think when it comes to start like if you're doing anything like you said yourself like you are an you are an actor at heart i mean i don't know what i would class myself as because i i enjoy loads of different areas of things when i like filmmaking i like writing i like marketing so i like a mixture of things but i think you need to kind of always focus on like what it is like you need to start with yourself if you if you don't create for yourself then it's never gonna you're never going to have enough energy or put enough passion into it mm-hmm. that it's ever going to create any value for someone else. And I and I do think that's a problem, but, but obviously we all need, at the moment, the system we're in, we need to earn money to live. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's such a balance in that. And I think it's such a difficult, it's, such, it's good that we're having this conversation, but I think it's so difficult to create for yourself, do something you enjoy and and be able to get paid for it and that's why i think a lot of entrepreneurs you get all these online entrepreneurs are like so grateful that they get to maybe podcast or they get yeah. to write an ebook and suddenly people are paying them it's because it's so unnatural to get paid to do the things you like and that's you what i think feel incredibly exactly. guilty it feels like you? you've cheated it feels like even the actors who people are in films and they get to get flied around flown around and mm-hmm. those sort of things you feel like you've you've cheated the system and people do feel that way well i did a, <laughs> as an example i did a short film um just before christmas and uh we after we after we wrapped the film we went out to the pub and we had pub lunch i was on expenses paid Oh, it wasn't a paid gig. It was just a student film that I did. And the deal was they'd pay for my expenses. So we went to the pub and uh, we were ordering our drinks and our food and stuff. And they and I had my wallet out and they went, put that away. And I'm like, no, but it's uh, for me. It's my food. <laughs> and they were like, no, we're paying your expenses. I'm like, what? <laughs> but this is what I'm saying. So and like- I felt so guilty. Even though that was the deal and I'd done the film for free, I still felt really guilty that they were buying my lunch out of their budget. It's like it's like we shock ourselves, like if we actually are doing something we enjoy and suddenly we get paid for it, it's like it's like we expect I don't know, art to be painful. Or we bad ex- karma. Yeah, we expect <laughs> like why should how do I get paid to do something that I actually enjoy? Mm-hmm. It's, it seems so like unreal and I think that's why we say like a lot of people go to work and every day feels like a grind because you're in a job you hate but but that's work and to to have the cheek to think that you can be someone who gets up in front of a camera and gets paid for it that's like of course people are gonna think that's unrealistic it's not it's, it's kind of not fair in a way it's not yeah and, and is that is that why is that why the economy in the industrial age has been built around what it is was it a f- i mean i'm getting very deep but was it a form of control was it a way of saying no you can't do what you want we're the people at the top you've got to do what we tell you to do and was it was is it a form of uh, was it a form of suppression to kind of say well you know you can't do what you want and get paid for it you can't make a living doing what you want you gotta if you want to eat if you want to have a roof over your head you've got to do what we say well i think i think it, it i wouldn't say so much as suppression because obviously i do think well, people do have a choice to a certain degree, but I think like 
at the end of the day, it depends on what the resources of value. So if mm-hmm. the value is money, I mean, still, these people who make these films are not, they're not, I mean, the artists, the directors call themselves artists, but it's still a business. That film that's being made is a business in the fact that's got to make profit. Mm-hmm. So everything's always driven by this sort of money orientated. Everyone gets paid down the line. So it's, it's, it's very difficult. It's a massive sort of talking point. I'm sure there's yeah. so many theories <laughs> to go into it. Yeah. But I do think, yeah, there is that sort of, it's strange to get paid to do something you enjoy, but I do think the internet and the web and our new sort of connected economy, this digital economy, mm-hmm. is making that more feasible. You're getting young people who are bloody 16 or younger and they've got YouTube channels who and they're just making videos, playing games that they love, but they're making money from it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they could they could make a whole month's salary of someone who has to go, as you say, maybe work behind the bar. And it's I find that amazing that people yeah. are doing stuff they enjoy. But then it's like... Who knows where that's going to lead? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on about this for <clears throat> hours. And, uh, I mean, we are, we are running out of time and barely even covered I know, in I any think detail we, what we want to do. <laughs> I think we went a little bit off topic, but it's just so interesting. And I think there's just so much opportunity, but things need to change. Mindsets need to change, I think. Um, whether it's the governments who want to kind of push, if they if they if they know this change is happening, it's kind of like that everyone's still trying to cling on to this mm-hmm. old system, and it's 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 slowly falling away. That's why there's loads of unemployment because it's it's moving away. Where I mean, <laughs> I might even open up another can of worms, but it's just like how much of our lives do we actually need to work? What if we were just doing the things we we really enjoy and mm-hmm. getting paid the right amounts for what we do we offer? Maybe we'd be working less. Maybe we'd be working less as mm-hmm. artists who deliver bigger value, and maybe that would just—I <laughs> don't know. But then it's it's that thing of then where do you draw the line of what's work and what's play? Because then it will become a very grey area, very grey area. Um, we're currently in a position where there's there's the black and there's the white, and there is this tiny grey area uh, where few people, a small minority, get paid for for enjoy for what doing what they enjoy but most people are either working or not working but as an artist and i can definitely say this is the case for me it's very very difficult to differentiate when you're working and when you're playing um because even when i'm watching a film i'm working because i'm looking at it going i didn't like that moment where did that actor go wrong what did why did that line not sound right what is that camera doing why is that camera moving that way and i'm constantly analyzing it for most people sitting and watching a film is going to be playing bit of escapism yeah bit of yeah whereas i'm there going oh intro oh yeah oh great but in a kind of analytical way and even to the point of when i'm sitting there going no i'm gonna have a day off today and then about two hours in i'm like i'm bored i'm gonna go and create this piece of work or i'm gonna look at this monologue or whatever or i'm going to watch this film and analyze it and and so quite often i'm happiest when i'm working because my work is my play as an artist and i think that's what hopefully the digital economy is going to allow it's going to allow more people to realize actually i want to be playing i want to be enjoying the Mm. things i do and yeah i think i think it's interesting i think there's a lot of change happening and i think it's it's going to be weird and it's going to be strange for like the, how governments control it i think the schooling system's gonna they're gonna have to switch things up as yeah. soon as possible because these kids are getting bored my little brother comes home and he's like i'm bored like i don't like he doesn't want to be at school because they're so backwards you're not even allowed your mobiles on you're not it's just yeah 
It is. I mean, we could go forever, but yeah. we should probably... <laughs> we, we really should wrap this up. We definitely have to come back to, to this uh, subject and cover cover things in so much more detail. And I apologise if it has been a little bit inc- incoherent and a little bit all over the place. It's definitely very rambly, but we've we've got some action steps anyway. Who, what yes. we were kind of hoping we would touch on these points, but... Maybe these will sort of add some structure towards the end of this. <laughs> to what, what we've been saying, yeah. Okay, so our, our action steps really are... Uh, the first thing to do is uh, to see yourself as an artist, whatever your profession, really. We're certainly going into that kind of phase of the world, particularly with the digital economy. Um, people, Even my dad, who's a carpenter, which, you know, you could argue is a is an artistic job in itself. Um, but even he's saying, you know, I want to get online, I want to start making videos, showing people how to do things and things like that. So whatever your profession, consider yourself an artist. And also, I think it's very important to seek methods of boosting your creative thinking. So, <clears throat> and by creative thinking, I mean anything that's going to make you see things slightly differently, think outside the box and try new ideas. I think things like, you know, going for walks in a park or just sitting in a park you know, turn all your mobile phones off, your iPad, your computer, just get away from it or just get seek solitude for a little bit. Um, meditation is great. As I think well. um, there's one I really love and it's by James Altucher and he says, just think up 10 new ideas every day. Just every day, write down 10 ideas. It could be ideas for businesses, just an idea, any sort of oh, ideas. And just once you do that over and over, then soon enough if you do that for a month then ideas are just going to keep coming to you and suddenly they're just going to it's going to just be natural yeah i really like that that's a it's a really good one um and then the next step is to really find your passion we we kind of discussed this in the very first episode that we did episode one um and uh consider it and this is something we (laughs) talked about in episode two if if money was no object if you had all the money that you could possibly ever want, you don't have to pay for rent, you don't have to pay for food, any, if you've got all the money you could possibly need to do whatever you want, what would you do? What would you still do? Like, what, yeah, what things? Yeah, what would you drop? Forget about that. And what would you still be doing with your life? And do that. That's that. To really find your art, that's what you should, that's how you should think. And then final step really is just don't be afraid to sell that art, whatever it is that you're creating, whatever it is that you're providing, if it is an experience or a service as opposed to a, a painting or whatever. So if it's a theatre show, for example, from, from my side of things, just don't be afraid to sell it. If people if people value it and they see something in what you have created, they will buy it in whatever form that, that you ask of them to buy it. If there's value in it, whether it is an experience or if it is changing the way they think they will buy it so just don't be afraid to sell it uh so we'll wrap up uh with an end quote from you jem okay and this is a quote by david dokovny and he was the actor from x files and he basically said so as actor we've been very actor oriented this episode i do apologize it's <laughs> partly my fault so this end quote is anxiety is part of creativity the need to get something out the need to be rid of something or to get in touch with something within which is really nice. And we were just saying that it is that sort of, if you, if you let go of money, what is mm-hmm. it within you that keeps you wanting to do something else? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Doing that thing that you really are passionate about. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And do you have any uh, recommended reading, Jim? Yes. So we've got three books here. The first one is The War of Art by um, Stephen Pressfield, which is a really, really go- a great book. Um, Choose Yourself by James Altucher, which is a 
again it's one of the really cheapest books i've bought this year and it's actually been so valuable you can check it out and the final one is uh to sell is human and it's by dan pink and he talks a lot about how humans really need to embrace the fact that we're naturally born to sell and Mm -hmm. again that goes back to the artist the artist it's okay to sell your art you've put a lot of work in you've delivered a lot it can deliver a lot of value to Mm -hmm. somebody else okay excellent so we will wrap up there as always if there's anything that you do want us to discuss or if you've got any feedback on the show please do email us you can email me at wayne at powerfulnonsense.com or gem at gem at powerfulnonsense.com and, and how is gem spelled c-e-m <laughs> <laughs> and um also you can uh, contact us on twitter i might see if i can put that picture that we were discussing earlier up on my twitter feed as well because um, i put it on facebook the other day so i'll put it on twitter uh you can find me at wayne underscore ingram and gem at c-k-y-i-l-d-i-z Okay, and uh, Jem, you're still working on your new ebook, which we've yeah, been I was last very year. busy last week, but it definitely, I'm really hoping I can get it out this week. And maybe I should just say yes, I'm going to get it out this week. <laughs> It'll add a bit of pressure and put a deadline. And that's um, status go ten unlearnings for the digital economy. It'll be a free download. It, all I would need is obviously sign up to my newsletter, and I'll send it directly to you. Okay, and uh, how do they sign up to your newsletter? Just go to powerfulnonsense.com, and it's over on the right hand side. Boom. Um, and of course, as always, if you like what you're hearing, please do post a review on iTunes. We've been staying quite high in the new and noteworthy section. We've not got long left to, to stay up there. Um, so any reviews that you post, obviously preferably good ones, um, <laughs> will be of a real help. We're currently a five-star podcast all of our reviews have been five star so if we can keep up that that well after our rambling today i don't know how that'll go (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah if you could post a review we would be eternally grateful um and obviously it will help us continue doing what we're doing which is provide value to you guys and uh, hopefully uh give you some food for thought every week so or whenever it is that we (laughs) (laughs) as often as we can (laughs) as often as we can um so yes thank you so so much for listening love you all very much and we will catch you next time take care